Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And that takes us to the message for today. And we are, as Jonathan said, we are in the final one of the Rise Up series. And the Rise Up series is an Easter message series. So this has been going on for a number of weeks, five weeks since Easter. And the Rise Up, the first person to do that was Jesus when he rose up from the dead. And that's what we celebrate. And because Jesus rose up and and because now faith has risen up in our hearts, We also rise up as well, and today we are going to see that we are going to persevere, that we're going to keep going on and keep moving forward. Now, as we consider this this message, I want you to consider for a moment, I know Phoenix, uh, not too many people from Phoenix are born in Phoenix, that they have moved from different areas of the country, some, sometimes just different parts of the valley uh, as well. If you're living in Levine, some here are lifers. We've got a few of them. But what I want you to do for a moment is I want you to think about going back, if, if you have a hometown, and how that hometown has changed since you live there. I think back when I was 18 years old, I had a job working, delivering appliances. And it was just a small mom-and-pop appliance place. I worked for a guy named Harry Bigelow. And one of, one of Harry's problems was that he really didn't like writing things down. And he knew everyone in town. So what would happen is people would come in and they would buy a new refrigerator. And Harry would know who they were. And he knew where they lived. So what he would do is he would sell them the refrigerator, not get an address or anything like that, and then when it came for us to deliver it, he would tell us, well, yeah, they live out by the old Miller place. You go to the Miller place, and then you turn left, and and it's two doors down, and that's where they live. The only problem is the Millers moved out of that farm 20 years earlier. So I have no idea what the Miller Farm is. No one ever lived there by that name when I was still alive. So so we would be going to where the Millers live now, and and we would be driving around, and we'd have no idea, and and we'd call him, and he'd be so upset with us. He's like, are you kidding me? No, that's not where it's at. And he still didn't know the road names or the highway names. He would always have to give us different places that it was close to. He would do that in town as well. Oh yeah, just go down, it's by the bank. Well, the bank is a reality now. So you, and it's been a reality for 15 years, ever since I was three. So you gotta help me out a little bit here, Harry. And what's crazy about that is I used to get so upset with him about that. But now when I go back to my hometown, I do the same thing. And if my kids are with me, I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's down by the, the, the old dime store. Well... Dime stores are now dollar stores, and the dime store is a hardware store. So uh, the, the kids are like, Dad, I have no idea what you're talking about. And, th- and this is so confusing. And that's because if you go back, and especially as you get older and you go back to places that used to be familiar, you realize times change, people change, just everything changes. And that's why as, as you consider that change, I want you to think also sometimes about the changes that go on 
in faith and, and things that last, things that stand the test of time. Because even when I go back to the town that I grew up in, the church that I went to was a daycare, sold and then turned into a daycare, and then burned down. So it's not even there anymore. So, so you look at that, and if God wants us to persevere, if God wants us to keep going, is he talking about churches? Is he talking about a group of people, a congregation, that might go 50 years, 100 years, 150 years? Or is he talking about something bigger than that? Is he talking about all believers of all time, his holy Christian church? It, it's not just one congregation, but it's all people who believe in him. And then as we consider kind of the big picture, we need to take it down to you personally. Personally, when you look at your relationship with Christ and and you consider what you believe, to ask yourself, how long is this going to continue? And maybe there are even times as you live your life and circumstances change in your life, the way that you look at God changes as well. And and you begin to have some questions and and you begin to have disappointments and and you wonder, what does the future look like? And, And is this something that I can keep going in because I'm getting tired, I'm getting worn down, I'm I'm getting beaten down as I live my faith. Well, today, if you if you ever feel that way, that is what this message is about. It's about keeping going. It's about recognizing that there's change all around us. There's difficulties all around us. There's there's pain sometimes in our hearts that we look at and we say, Lord, this is not the way that I thought it was going to be. But in the midst of those, Christ comes to us with his promises and encourages us, rise up and persevere. We start in the book of Acts, chapter 4, beginning with the 29th verse. And this is, this is one of those times when, when you think about perseverance and keep, keeping going on, that the disciples would have felt this way. And this is why. By this time, the church was a couple months old. It had been going for three years when Jesus was there, but now Jesus had been gone for, for two months that things were going well. It started with 12 people. Now it was up to three, 5,000 people. So there, so there were a good number of believers. But, but even then, 5,000 people in a church body is not like crazy big. That's like all there were in the world. And so I'm sure there were times when they wondered, how long is this going to keep going? And really the answer for the disciples was, it's going to keep going as long as I'm here because I was an eyewitness of what Christ has done, and I'm going to share it. But we get a a little look at what was going on. They they had gone through a, a good period, and now it was difficult. It says... They're praying, and this, they're praying after Peter and John had been arrested, and they say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God gave them an answer in that moment to the concerns that they had. 
And in this fledgling church, this new church, as it was just beginning to start, one of the gifts that God gave them was a very obvious evidence of the Holy Spirit. And so when they prayed and they, they acknowledged the threats that were there, and they also remembered the great God that they had, and, and they joined in prayer, that God sent the Holy Spirit, and there was the shaking of the building, that they knew God was with them, that he gave them a physical proof that, that he was there and that they were, were going in the right direction. God also gives us a, a, a proof that we are headed in the right direction. It's not the shaking of the building. I was going to have them turn the fans on right now, and that would be the, wow, Pastor Dan, that's very impressive, but, but it's not. <laughs> but what we do have as that proof is his word. And that is why, especially at Crosswalk and, and in the Christian church, we value that so much. Because what we have in his word is what the Holy Spirit gave the disciples at that time. And it's that proof, that proof that we are following Jesus, the Christ. It's the proof that we are following God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we go to his word and his truths, truths about the resurrection, truths about his love. That that is the evidence that we have. And, and it gives us the hope that we need to carry on, to, to know we're going in the right direction and following him. In the blank, you can write, the Christians were realistic about the threats they faced, so they're realistic about the threats they faced and the strength that God offered. Realistic about the threats they faced and the strength that God offered. Now, first of all, that as you are going to live, remember, this is about each one of us being able to live with perseverance, to understand that in your life there are going to be threats. There are going to be things that, that hurt you, things that threaten you, things, things that threaten your family, your, your faith, and your life. And it's important that you know that because sometimes we get the wrong idea that once I become a Christian and I know who Jesus is, I know my place in heaven, that life is golden. Now everything is going to be good. But that is not the case. And as a matter of fact, right before Jesus died and went to heaven, he, he warned them. He said, just so you know, in the end times, uh, before my return, there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be famines and earthquakes. It is going to be very, very difficult times. And in those times as well, there's going to be a sharing of the gospel but there's also going to be persecution unlike the world has ever seen. And the reason why he's telling his, his disciples this is so that they can be realistic about what is, is to come. Because sometimes in our minds when we're doing something, and I, I see this very often, and that is people are doing something that it's very clear that, what it, that God wants them to do, but the second they hit any type of hardship, they think, oh, God must not want me to do this. The way God talks to me is that if it hurts, then I should stop doing it. That's not the way that God works. And as a matter of fact, he says that it, he works just the opposite of that. That very often for doing what is right, for following his way, you are going to be hurt. You are going to be punished. And it shouldn't surprise you because that's the same way they treated Christ. 
going and, and doing God's will, going to the cross, going to pay for sin. And the closer he got and, and the more he was doing, the worse it got. So first part, be realistic about the, the threats that are there, but, but you also want to be careful that you don't go too far. That you don't want to get to a point where you're like the children of Israel in the desert either, where, oh, this is horrible. It's all, uh, there's no hope for us. What, what has God done to us? That we're, we're in absolute trouble and, and there's no way we're going to make it. We're, there's no way we're going to persevere and keep going. No, we don't want that either. And, and so where we need to go is with those promises of God. So they were about the threats of God they faced and the strength that God offered. So they knew that in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these difficult times, that God would be with them, that God would fight for them, that God would fight in them, that God would strengthen them, that God would comfort them. And in the same way, as you are going through those difficult times in life, you're going to see the encouragement from this lesson is if you want to persevere, you need to continue to go back to him. That is where the strength and the support and the certainty comes from. We'll continue. Acts 4, verse 32. So they, they're praying, and now all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And so now you have, even in the midst of this, the, all of these threats, that it, it brought this small group of Christians together, that it really galvanized them through these difficult times. And another verse from 1 Corinthians shows this oneness that, that God desires for us. And it says, all the believers, excuse me, it says, just as uh, a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And the point there with both of those verses is to show the oneness and, and how God wants us to be together and how part of the perseverance for, for Christians is, is to be one and be together. In the blank you can write, although very personal, following Jesus is meant to be a team activity. Although very personal, it's meant to be a team activity we use the gifts that God has given us to support one another. We use those gifts to support one another. So I just want to look at that. As I said, it's very personal. Your relationship with Jesus, when you, when you sit down and you pray to him, when you're praying to God, it's very personal. There's much about your faith that is that way, that it's between you and God. And at the same time, God brings you as an individual, just like different parts of the body, into one body, and, and that unit is made to work together. Now, why is this so important with perseverance? Because we are told that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And now when you think about that, that roaring lion, how does a, a lion hunt? What they try to do is they try to isolate animals from the herd. And it's usually those are small, those who are weak, maybe those that are getting older that can't move well with the herd. And, and so what happens is they look for opportunities to isolate, and, and once they isolate, 
that is when they attack. That is when that animal is the most vulnerable. Now, as we look at this in our lives, to understand that, that Satan also wants to do that to us. And, and I want you to think about this in your life right now, about how isolated you are. And even though we live in huge neighborhoods, and, and in Levine, there, I mean, there's tens of thousands of people. It, it just dawns on me that <clears throat> how many of them you don't know. How many people don't even know their neighbors? Where you, where you pull in, in your, in your garage, the, the garage door goes down, you go in, time you spend on the computer, even, even when if you go to Facebook and things like that, you're checking things out, but you're doing it alone. If you sit and watch TV at night or w- whatever you're doing, I want you to think about how much alone time you spend. And maybe some of you would say, well, I'm an introvert, or you know what, I, just, I don't like talking with people, or that, that's just kind of, it's not my deal. Well, the reminder for you is that you are falling right into the devil's trap. And if you are looking for, the, again, to persevere, you need to gather others around you. When you think of that aloneness, and, and times when you're alone, as I talk with people, it's, it's when they're alone that sins creep in. Sinful thoughts creep in their mind. Uh, times they, they do things when they know they shouldn't, they're alone, that, that they are ones that, that can be hidden. It's during the times when they're alone and they think through issues and they go over them again and again and again, that when you're alone and you're thinking about someone you haven't forgiven, you demonize them. That, that you play it over and over in your head. You stir the pot of your hate towards them and, and make them out to be a monster and a villain. There are so many things of, of, that come from being alone. And then a second one, and I wasn't going to bring this up today, but, but as I watched more and more, did more research, it, it's just, I think it's an important thing, and here's a place to, to talk about it. And that is that being alone that after you go through all of those things and all those thoughts, where it can leave you is in a despair. That, that you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I don't see any way out. I've gone over this a million times and I don't know the way out of this. And so in, in the last couple weeks, I, I've had people talk to me and, and say, Pastor, I've gotten to a point where I don't know if I can go on. I, I'm thinking of just ending it all, of not going on. So I did some research, and, and, and as you look at the research, the number of people who commit suicide in the United States in a year, I don't know if you've looked at the most recent numbers, 43,000? That's a lot of people. And, and, and then you look at the, the numbers that go from there, over 900,000 people have been put in the hospital with self-inflicted wounds. And, and when you just look at those numbers, those are, those are the ones who have done something that I have to believe there are, there are other people here who feel the same way at times when they look at their lives and they look at the threats that are there. They look at the issues they have either with health or finances or relationships and they look at it and, and, they, and they try to see all the way through and they're like, you know what, I don't see a way out of this. They see their threats very clearly but they don't see the strengths and the power of Christ. 
And, and if you do that, I, I'm not telling you that to, to silver line your problems or act like they don't exist or, or just put on a happy face. But you also need to remember that your God is the God who made heaven and earth. Your God is the God who brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. Your God is the God who makes us and heals us and when it is time, brings us to be with himself. If you are going to persevere, do not isolate yourself. You need to be around other people, and not just other people, but other Christians who are going to encourage you with the promises and the strengths of our God. We continue. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And when you look at the, the thing that brought all these people together, it was this truth. And the power came from the Holy Spirit. The power was from the word of God. The content was very clear. As you can imagine, if you have seen someone who is dead, who is now alive, that's going to come up in your conversation. It just is. And by the way, he's the savior of the world. And by the way, you can rise from dead to, the dead too. Oh, and by the way, he loves you. Oh, and by the way, I, I know how you work because I'm the same way, and that is that you have a problem called sin. No problem. His life and death took care of that as well. And, oh, and by the way, at, at times when you're, you're struggling and you're hurting and you don't feel like you can go on, when you're weary and, and, and you don't have no strength, he offers that as well through his Holy Spirit. That, that's what they did constantly, pointing people back to the cross of Jesus Christ, pointing them back to the open tomb of Jesus which could not hold him, letting them know that their reality, that in this reality, Christ comes into your reality and he points you ahead, points you ahead to when you will be with him in heaven. That is the power. In the blank, you can write, the most powerful gift that was shared was the clear witness that Jesus is alive. The most powerful gift is that clear witness that Jesus is alive. We continue. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. I'm not sure how that worked. When you, when you think of how long can you maintain that, that individuals, and I think their thought process was this, was that they, were, they had seen the resurrection. This was a completely life-changing event. And so they knew that Jesus was going to return, and many of them thought that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. They didn't know when it was going to be, but they were hopeful that it would be sooner than later. And because of that, because they were so encouraged by that, uh, it, it kept them not only to keep going, but it also asked, it, it made them do an inventory of their life and say, okay, of all the things that I have, what is the best way that I can further the gospel of Jesus with whatever I have, whether it be gifts, uh, like monetary, whether it be some land, whether it be my house, uh, whatever it happened to be, that I'm going to take that and I want to use that for the church so that we can help as many people as possible. 
That, that was their mindset. In the blank, you can write, God's grace changed the hearts of people. Christians thankfully shared everything they had. God's grace changed the hearts of people. Christians thankfully shared everything they had. When you look at, when you look at that, do you think those days are over? Do you, do you look at the church today and say the, the church is full of people whose hearts are changed by God's grace, that they are loved by God, and, and since they are loved by God, that it is such a deal changer for them that they, they want to go and, and help as many people as possible. Yeah? No? Yeah? No? Give me a head shake, something. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an opinion. All right. Well, I think of this in, in terms of, uh, I, I don't know exactly where we're at today, but one thing I would like you to consider a little bit is this isn't necessarily, some of these are crosswalk, some of them aren't. But when you think of, of things like hospitals, and uh, it's, depending on where you are at in the country, you can sometimes tell what churches are the most, uh, the strongest in that area by the names of the hospitals. And so in, in some places you might have a St. Joseph's or a St. Mary's or something like that. And, and do you ever wonder why they, they came with those names? Well, it's because Christians were concerned about that. That, that you go back 100 years, I mean, now we have hospitals all across the valley, but when you look at specifically during that time period, there wouldn't have been a lot of hospitals. There wouldn't have been a lot of places where people could get basic medical care. And so they would, would do something like this, show their generosity by, by starting a hospital. Or maybe it's a food bank that they would have that maybe started at their church. And as it continued to grow in their church, it grew and grew. And now it's taken on a life of its own because they want to help people out. And I'm telling you, this still does happen. And it happens not just out there, but it also happens here at Crosswalk as well. The generosity of people here at Crosswalk on an annual basis, we receive in offerings in the neighborhood of $650,000, something like that. Last year, through our Compassions Fund, we distributed over 30,000 people who were in need. That I think of what we do for the, the Levine area, uh, that not only things like trunk or treat, but also feed a family, and we get uniforms for, for kids who are in the schools. God's grace is still alive. And, and the, then people respond by wanting to be generous. And if you have ever been in a situation where you have received that generosity, it aids perseverance. And the reason why is because when someone reaches out and helps you, when someone helps pull you up when you are down, it, it not only encourages you about them, but when you know it's a Christian... It also gives you encouragement that God is there as well. It's a reminder that those hands, those arms, those gifts aren't just from those people, but from the God that has shown them grace as well. And so as you look at this, this is about the perseverance, and some of this is about your own perseverance and moving forward, but also recognizing that by your actions and your experiencing of God's grace, 
you help others persevere as well. We do this as a group. And not only do we do it as a group, but we do it individually. Next verses. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So now what we're, before this it was said a number of people are doing this. Now there was a specific guy, Barnabas, Barney, whatever you want to call him. But anyways, he was, he, they, he went through a name change that he was so good at encouragement that they just, that, that became his nickname. And, and from this point on, that's all they called him was Barnabas. A little bit later in Acts 11, so this is seven chapters later, there were new Christians. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, notice, grace of God in action, in people, and, and now what, what it had done was not these works of generosity necessarily with money and food, but generosity with the grace of God. So people were coming to faith, believing in Jesus as their Savior. So when he had seen what the grace of God had done, he was glad. So he was encouraged. You want to know what kept Barnabas going? It's when God's word was preached and believed by others. And it, and it got him so pumped up that what did he do? He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This is great. And, and Barnabas, this, I would have, he's one I'm going to look forward to hanging. I hope I'm next to him in heaven. Uh, that would be, yeah, Barnabas next. Or he's a great neighbor. Uh, he's always coming over, just being a positive person. I, I, I remember this story. There, there's a guy I know. His name is Jim Mum. He's a retired pastor. Uh, and I'll never forget him. I'll never forget him because 24 years ago, I started a church. And I went to a missionaries conference that was meant to be an encouraging conference and help you persevere, keep going uh, with that new mission startup. And I was in a room with about 15 missionaries and each one of them shared where they were at. Uh, and so there would be guys, Jeff wasn't at this one, but, but so there were people like Jeff who, who would say, yeah, I'm at Crosswalk, we got five staff, we have about 550 people come every Sunday, uh, and, and just share all the cool things that are going on like we could at Crosswalk. So I'm listening to all these guys, and, and then it's my turn. And I got to say, my name's Dan Slofra, I've been a pastor for three months uh, at our church, we don't have any church services. Uh, we really don't have anything right now, and there's uh, seven of us. And I still remember Jim Mum looking right at me and saying, Dan Salo for seven people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's going to stop you? <laughs> I said, Jim, actually, two of the people in the church are my infant children. <laughs> he said, five people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's going to stop you? And I just remember that because it was just on that, as you can tell, 24 years later, uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday. 
and how much encouragement and how it encouraged me to persevere and keep going and keep going on. And, and since that time, whenever I talk to young pastors who are new to, to being a pastor, people that are new in the faith, I love sharing that story, letting them know that, you know what? It is going to be all right, and it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I get that every Sunday at Crosswalk. I don't want to name names because I would be here all day and then I would miss some. But I'm telling you that on Sunday mornings, I get here before, I'm, before we pay to get in sometimes. Sorry, don't tell anyone. The, um, but at, at like 6.45, and I'm never the first person here. And, and it's not other staff that are beating me. It's people that come all the time, and, and they are so encouraging to me. I'm like, these guys are unbelievable. And then the, the stories of, of going over, oh, at Crosswalk Kids, there's a ton of stories of, of people that were meant to be with little children, and one specifically where a, a lady who, who does the infants had a, a child that was grew up, so went to toddlers, but then came back one day just to give her a hug and just wanted her to hold him for a little bit. That's encouraging to me. That tells me that as we look at it, that's the right person in the right job making a difference in people's lives. And that makes me want to be a better pastor. And, and there's a ton of those. And, and I'm telling you, they can be there for you as well. Because you can be in ministry and not see that and be miserable and, but you can also take a moment to just sit and watch and look and you will see encouraging things where people are doing just like Barnabas did. They're being who they are. They're being who God made them to be and the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed their hearts and they look outside of themselves for people who are hurting, people that could use a little encouragement and they make just these little deposits of encouragement that change people's lives. First of all, you need to receive that. That's the grace of God. That's the message of the resurrection. And then share it. And when you do it, it's like with Barnabas. It multiplies and keeps going and going and going. If I didn't already give you the fill-in, Joseph was given the gift of encouragement. God used the gift to help other Christians persevere in the faith. And please remember, he does the same with you, and he does the same for you. And it would be great if that was the amen, but I don't think that would be fair to you. I don't think that would be fair because that's not the way this story ends. It, it ends with some difficulty. In Acts 8, you have Saul coming. Saul approved the killing of Stephen, so one of these new Christians was killed named Stephen, and I'm sure broke Barnabas's heart and the rest of the church as well, and maybe made them think for a moment they should stop. This has gone far enough. We don't need loss of life. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except their apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It got so bad, they couldn't even live in their hometowns. Of course, we know by looking at this later, it, it made the church go throughout the world because these people left Jerusalem and the gospel went with them throughout the known world. Turned into the, one of the biggest blessings God gave his early church. 
And many more people knew about the grace of God because of this. And so where we need to go is James 1, 2 to 4 to help us kind of bring this together and understand this. James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. (laughs) There should be a question mark there. (laughs) It's tough because you don't want to do that. But consider it pure joy when you face these trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The way that I would describe this is how perseverance or how suffering produces perseverance would be like what goes, what goes on at a boot camp. There's a reason why when soldiers come in, they make them go through boot camp before they send them to war. And, and the reason why is because by going through that suffering, they develop perseverance. And, and, and they learn how to go through adverse situations and pull together and, and all of those different lessons they learn. There is a reason why on a sports team, at the beginning of a football season, you have a coach making his kids run up and down the field, doing up-downs, tackling one another, whatever it is. And you look at it, and these kids have been there before. It's suffering. It is. It's hard. And, and why do you have them do that suffering and that hard work? Is because you know game day is coming, and that suffering produces perseverance, that it makes you a better person, it makes you a stronger person. We understand the concept that when muscles are made, they need to be broken down and built up. That is the way that muscle is made. And for some reasons, we as Christians think maybe spiritual muscles can be made a different way. But I'm telling you, they cannot. There is only one way to develop perseverance. And that is through difficulty and suffering in your life that directs you to the cross of Jesus Christ and God's grace, which gives you encouragement, whether it's directly through the word or through another Christian encouraging you through that difficult time. And then a strengthening process. And then time to break the muscle down again. And, and keep working because God's desire for you is to have perseverance. God's desire for you is that you continue to go forward. In the blank, you can write, suffering develops perseverance. When we despair of our strength and turn to God, suffering has done its job. I've given you two different messages here just so you know that I know. And I gave you two things. Two things help with perseverance. That's when someone's really loving to you and encouraging to you. And the other is when you get knocked on your butt. And those are like two polar opposite things, both of which accomplish God's will. So if you're like me, you pray, God, why don't you just strengthen me through people named Barnabas in my life and then that I can just look at people serving and I'll be happy. And he says, Dan, how about I got another idea? Uh, and, and so as you're going through, through life, and, and as we, this is where we finish, I don't know if you are at a point in your life where someone is giving you some encouragement right now, or if you are at a point where you are suffering and you have had enough. 
either one of those, in either case, my reminder for you today is of the grace of God. It's of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's of the power of the Holy Spirit who makes promise after promise that you are not forgotten, that you are loved. And even in the midst of the difficult times, even in the midst of those times where we enjoy a break, the Lord is with you. And with his strength, you will persevere. You will continue to go forward until you are with him in heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we need perseverance. Uh, We do. And that is because the difficulties of life and the sin in our own lives just knocks us down on a regular basis. And so, Lord, we ask that you be with us. Send us people to encourage us uh, and send that encouragement, especially at times when we are suffering and hurting. There are people here who are sick. There are people here who are in difficult relationships. There are people here who who don't know where they're going with their finances and they're just struggling. Uh, Lord, there's people here with all kinds of unique problems. Meet each one of these individuals where they are. Bring your grace to them. Remind them, remind them of your love and in Christ and, and your grace, your wonderful grace for them. And finally, Lord, give us at Crosswalk a bunch of Barnabases, a bunch of encouragers who, who see your grace and then share it with those around them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go today, remember you don't go alone. Please be encouraged by the grace of God and also go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.